0: Four tracks on S F M With John Carica.
1: Let's continue with our inspirational story. He's a blind adrenaline junkie. Doesn't let his disability stop him from pushing the limits. That's the headline. Dean Dunbar is the man. Scottish man. He's blind and decided that he's not going to let life stop him. And I thought let's chat to him. Uh, Dean, thank you very much for joining us. Hi, John. Good to speak to you. 51? Are you still 50? No. How old are you now? You were 51 in
0: 1998. No, I was, I mean, no, I've just turned 51. Oh, you're 51 <laughs> now. 51 okay. <laughs>
1: Happy yeah. birthday, by the way, then. you very much. All right. 51 years old, you're blind as well. You haven't let that stop you. Tell us your story.
0: Well, I was, I was born with full sight, and mm-hmm. I had full sight up until the age of nine. And then at nine overnight, I went. I turned partially sighted. Sure. And over the next few years, the doctors had no idea as to what had caused it. But after about five or six years, they discovered I had a very rare sight condition. Mm-hmm. And because it was a rare one, they couldn't give me a definite prognosis. So they just told me my sight could get better, it might get worse. They really didn't know. By the age of 27, it had got so bad that I was now registered blind, and I've been registered blind since I was 27.
1: Okay, and it, it didn't stop you, did it?
0: No, it, it kind of encouraged <laughs> me in a way, because when I first started, well, when I first started looking for the extreme sports, things, it, was, it was all down to a charity, Tandem Skydive, I did this, and I got such a rush from it, I was looking for my next fix, but every time I would contact a company to say, can I come along and do your extreme sport, mm. as soon as I said I was blind, they would say, no, you couldn't. I started getting a little bit, uh, not angry, but a bit frustrated and I thought right, I'm going to do this activity. So I would just chase and knock on more doors, ring more phones until eventually people would say yes. So in a way I suppose it's kind of driven me just to prove people wrong that yes I'm blind but I can still do these things.
1: Let's start at the beginning. Why would they not let you do a sport because you're blind?
0: Well, normally the reason, the, normally what would happen is I would phone up a company, say, for instance, if it was paragliding, and I'd say, can I come along and do it? And they'd say, of course you can. I'd then say, I'm blind. Mm. And they'd go, ah, right, no, no, you can't come along. And when I would ask them why, they would yeah. always give me one of two excuses. And one would either be that it was against their health and safety, health and safety regulations, or the other one was that their insurance wouldn't cover me. Yeah. And I think, to be honest, in the early days, I think people were probably just very scared if... If I'd gone along and we'd done the activity and I'd had an accident, they might have been, you know, a little bit worried about that happening. So nine out of ten companies would say no to me. And it was always, you know, roughly the tenth one that I'd get in touch with and would say, yes, come along and we'll try. Uh, and that's kind of what motivated me was to try to find the, the tenth company in all these activities.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine sometimes the hundredth company to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, sometimes it wasn't just ten. And exactly, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why extreme sports? Really down to the skydive. If I hadn't done the tandem skydive, I've, I've always been into sport. I've done athletics and football and swimming. Yeah. In fact, I was supposed to represent Great Britain in the Sydney Paralympics, but I, I ran into a parked car at high speed, uh, and that put <laughs> my running career to an end. But after doing the skydive, I got such an adrenaline rush. I was thinking, how do I get another adrenaline fix? Mm. So then people would say, have you tried bungee jumping? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? And before I knew, it, within a couple of years, I think I'd clocked up 20 or 30 different activities. And, and now, what, 22 years on, I'm um, up to about 120 to 140 different activities I've done now.
1: It's, yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm thinking in my, in my mind what it's like to go bungee jumping but blindfolded or, or, or doing skydiving blindfolded. Do you think yeah. that's equitable or is it because you've been uh, hard of sight for such a long time that it, it's completely different for you?
0: Me, I'm, I mean, I am registered blind, but I do have a little bit of sight. I can see, uh, like when I did a, when I do a bungee jump, I can tell that below me should be dark and above me should be <laughs> should be light. You know, I can tell the sky and the ground. So, I went I did a helicopter bungee jump. Everything was back to front because I didn't realise I was falling feet first, so I had to do a quick backflip to sort uh-huh. that out before I injured myself. So, I think because I have. A that's very useful so mm. compared to someone with a blindfold on i would definitely be better off but compared to the average person who leaps out to that, say a helicopter bungee jump and they can see the fields and they can see the trees mm. and i mm. don't know what else you can see from up there but if they can see those things i'm not getting that i purely see the dark of the ground and the light of the sky
1: and the sensation of the falling
0: oh yes most definitely <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, 120 activities name some of the exciting ones
0: Oh, right. So I've, I've done uh, one of the weirdest ones people uh, comment on. is a thing called the human catapult. Uh, I, and it, this I was saw that. Like, it,
1: sorry? I saw that. You've got a video on your website <laughs> about that. I don't get it. You're going to have to explain yeah. it to me.
0: Okay, so. For your listeners, it's, it's like a, it's a medieval uh, siege warfare uh, piece of equipment, and it's the old thing, what, what they used to do is when they were trying to break into a castle and they couldn't get past the big walls, they would have this arm that they would normally attach bricks to your rotten cows or whatever, and this thing would fly up through there, throw them over, and hopefully it would go over the walls, yeah. or through the walls. Now, the human catapult is exactly that machine, the trebuchet, but instead of rotting cows or or rocks in the end, you had human people, such as me. uh, And it only ran for a few times, uh, but I managed to do that, and that was an amazing experience. Absolutely wonderful.
1: What are you landing?
0: You land in a big safety net, or you you hope to land in a big safety net. (laughs) I mean, the (laughs) the reason I actually uh, got interested in it was the first time I heard about it. It was actually on the news because the group who were doing it, who were called the Dangerous Sports Club, Mm -hmm. they'd they'd thrown one of their members, and the the person had flown up in there, landed in the safety net, but they only had one safety net, and it stretched down, bounced up, threw the person out, and they then landed on the ground behind and broke their pelvis. And this was on the news, and I remember watching it on the news and thinking, when they get that sorted, I'm having a go at that. <laughs> so when they did get it sorted, they actually put two safety nets, one under the other. Right. So what happened was the second one dampened the first one. So although you bounced into it, fortunately when I was thrown back up, I only went 10 feet near there and back down again. I didn't come out the back, so I was very lucky.
1: It sounds like one of the most terrifying rides that you would do <laughs> at a fair. Like, yeah,
0: it, I mean, it was... It very extreme, great fun, but unfortunately, it was only available for a short time. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't quite go to plan on one of the jumps on one of the throws they had, so so it had to be stopped.
1: Uh, we have a, and I'm just searching for his name. We have a South African who who drives a South African blind man who drives a car, and he's quite famous for driving. Mm-hmm. Have you have you yeah. driven?
0: Well, not properly. I've had a I've had a go at uh, small bits of driving. when I I was a child, when I was about 12, my dad tried to let me uh, drive a car and I crashed out into the tree in the driveway. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that that was the first and last that he would let me. But I did uh, have another friend who had always promised me that she would let me have a go in her car. So we went up to an empty car park on a Sunday afternoon when there was no one about. Mm -hmm. uh, And I tried to drive there. And I think I got up to the the, the neck-breaking speed of 12 miles an hour before I really started to panic.
1: (laughs) I I, I like your your stand-up paddle boarding, which I imagine, that's a fascinating one for me. As you said, you, you you can see a little bit, but surely yeah, that's that's all got to do with vision and balance to be able to know where you are.
0: Well, the, the balance. I've got a lot of friends who do the stand-up paddleboarding with me, and none of them can understand because everyone who's taught to stand-up paddleboard, they're told to to look forward, fix on the horizon, mm. and that will keep you balanced. Now, obviously, I don't have a, a an horizon I can see, so I tend to just be looking down at my feet or looking down at the water, or you know, it doesn't matter where I'm looking, it's all down to my knees and my ankles. That's where I feel what's happening. So when I'm on the water, really, you know, people over here in Scotland, we go to a loch up, you know, a, a Scottish lake, which is called a loch. Yeah. And over here, someone will go on a loch and they'll go, they'll paddle down it and they'll see the castle at the side and they'll see the trees and the mountains. For me, all I have is three layers around me. The, the bottom layer is the white layer and that's the water that I'm paddling on. The next layer is then dark, that's the middle layer and that's the land that goes around the loch. And then the top layer in Scotland tends to be grey, but I'm sure in like South Africa would <laughs> maybe be blue. <laughs> but that's pretty much all I see. I have three layers around me. So when I'm on a loch and I'm 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 paddle boarding, all I'm doing is getting from A to B. I'm not taking in the scenery. I'm not taking in anything else. I'm oh. just doing, you know, getting right, my goal done.
1: Uh, I know it sounds silly. How do you know where you're going?
0: Well, with the, hopefully in Scotland, again, with the, the three layers, the middle layer, what I can do is I can... I look up either side of the rock, normally what happens is the hills on either side come down and they they meet hopefully at the far end of the rock and it creates what looks like a a natural V shape and I call that V shape my sweet spot and all I do is when I'm paddling is I keep looking up and trying to see where that is and aim for that. Now that that sweet spot could be one kilometre away from me or it could be 40 (laughs) kilometres. I have no idea, I've just got to keep paddling until the boat stops and I'm on on land.
1: (laughs) When when your head hits the land after this boat stops.
0: Uh, Exactly, When, When Board stops and I normally keep going. I know I've normally
1: hit some things, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ben has done some work. The producer, Hein Wagner, is the the blind South African. He's drive, driven a car at 233 yeah, kilometers per hour. He's a blind man. So, I think
0: also, I've heard of these I'm sure he's driven a Ferrari. I think I've heard yeah, of heard uh, about him. doing something crazy. His, yeah, I, I know of him. I've not mentioned, him, but I know of him. He's an amazing guy. All right. Is there... I mean, I
1: just want to. I just, I'm trying to go through these 120 activities that you've done, and uh, you know, yeah, sandboarding. Again, it's the same thing. As uh, how do you yeah. how do you balance bungee jumping? We've spoken about, uh, but let's throw in some other things. There's a stunt plane. There's uh, cliff jumping. Uh, yeah. The the hybridian Hib- Hib- the Hibirdrian challenge. What is that? Hybridian challenge.
0: So the Hebridean Challenge is an adventure race on the outer Hebrides of Scotland. Mm. It finished a few years ago, but it was it's a 500-kilometre, five-day race in which you're cycling, swimming, running, and all with a team. Mm. So certain members will do certain parts of it. And We had a team of four, and so like one of us would say be uh, mountain biking, another one would do running, another one would do swimming. We, we kind of split it that way, but then we decided, because it was such a long course, that everyone had to have two disciplines. So I was a sea swimmer. And I also did tandem road cycling, so that was what I did of that. Uh, The swimming was interesting because my guide, on the very first day when we entered the water, it was actually very choppy. He swam about 50 meters and said he was going back. He wasn't swimming any further. And it was a a one and a half k swim. So fortunately, one of the safety boats came along and said, well, if you can see me or hear me, follow me and I'll guide you to the end of the race. So I just swam alongside uh, the safety (laughs) boat.
1: Why do you do this, Dean?
0: (laughs) It's really simply down to the adrenaline rush, there's no doubt about it. I'm I'm a junkie when it comes to the adrenaline, and Mm. once I've had my first hit, I'm looking for my second one, once I've had my second, I'm looking for my third, so it's it's all about the next fix. Uh,
1: There's a lot more to it. Surely you're you're raising money for charities, obviously you're a public speaker as well.
0: Yep, I mean, the the raising money for charity, I did that in the early days, but Mm. after a couple of years of doing that, it got to the point that friends would come up to me and say, so what are you up to now, and then how much do you want? And it got to the toilet. it got embarrassing. So now, <laughs> a lot of the time, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm quite selfish. I kind of think, this hasn't been done before. I want to go out and I want to do it. And I, I just get out and do it. And then uh-huh. hopefully, if the adventures come off well, then I'll then go off and talk about it at events. Uh, raising, that's sometimes where I'm raising money for charity that way, where I'll go right. to events and do free talks for different things, you know, so yeah.
1: One of the things that does jump out at me on your website, extremedreams.ca.uk, Dean, is uh, the world first. And you've got two lists. The one is first yeah. blind person yeah. in the world, which is great. Yeah. But you've done a lot of stuff that's the first person in the world. And I love that because yeah. you're not yeah. using, and it's going to sound terrible, you're not using your 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 blindness to say, well, I did it first because I'm blind. You, you just no.
0: did it. You, on, you're absolutely right there. I mean, yeah, some of the ones definitely are, you know, because they have been done before, so I am the first blind, but a lot of the other ones, it is, it's, it's, I've come up with the idea and I thought, right, let's go and see, and find out if anyone has done it, and then find out that nobody, you know, sometimes I approach it thinking I'll probably be the first blind person, but then I find out that I'm actually the first person totally, and that, that's just a double buzz, then, that's just, uh, yeah, that's just fantastic, then.
1: Swim the UK's highest luck, for example, it's, I'm surprised nobody did that, yeah. but you did it, why not? Well, Swimming the UK's highest lake, Yeah, 2012.
0: So, so that one there, that's Loch Etchicken and that's in the Cairngorms. And to be honest, I thought someone would have done it already, sure. uh, because it's it's, I mean, it's only—it's hard to get to. That's the hardest thing. It's, it's about 15 kilometres from the nearest car park to then cycle and walk and hike into it. Right. So it's not the easiest one to get to. So I'm guessing that's why people haven't done it. And also as well, a lot of the year is frozen. So it's, it's only defrosted for maybe four or five months of the year. It's that much. I mean, mm. we went in, uh, one of the first times I went in September, September I think it was, and the water temperature was four degrees, you know. So it's only, what, just under a kilometre long. But again, swimming in the swimming trunks at four degrees mm. is pretty tough going for most people. I mean, <laughs> fortunately, when I actually uh, achieved it properly, the water temperature was about me eight degrees. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. But saying that, by the time I reached the end, I'd lost the use of both my legs and one arm. So I was pretty much swimming, dragging myself through the water with one arm, and when we got to the far end of it, right. climbing out of the water, it was just up uh, sorry, cliffs and rocks, I was having to drag myself up with one arm. Uh, so if it had been another 50 metres, 100 metres longer, I probably wouldn't have made it. Mm.
1: Obviously 2020 is a strange year. Tell me more about this yeah. indoor ice climbing. It sounds It sounds like something really fun.
0: It is, it's, it's something, I, we, my wife and I, uh, my wife Rona and I, we did it a few years ago, and then because we turned 50 last year, a couple of friends uh, gave us the vouchers to go and do it again this year, so we did it for a second time this year, and it was just great fun, it's obviously, it doesn't matter what the weather's doing outside, because mm-hmm. it's all indoors, uh, the routes are all, you know, you have a, a variety of routes, you have a, an easier route to the tougher ones, to, to ones where you have overhangs, and there was a, like a one where you had to bridge across, and you climb up one side, then... Standing at the top, you didn't have to do the splits to get to the other side. whilst hanging on to a like an ice bridge above you, and oh. uh, then climb down the other side. And it was, it was fantastic. But I'd highly recommend that. It was really good.
1: How is an adrenaline junkie handling lockdown?
0: It's it's. Not too bad. I, I think I'm probably a lot luckier than most people. Obviously, I, I can't do any of the challenges I had set for this year. I had a theme for this year that was the 2020 vision of a blind adventurer. Mm. And I had about half a dozen to, I think there were about eight or nine, I think, in total adventures planned for this year. And unfortunately, obviously, the majority of those aren't going to happen, if any of them at all. So it just means I've had to maybe focus more on other things. I'm doing a lot of uh, cycling at the moment. We have a, i have a mountain bike, so my wife will take nice some on quiet roads there or we'll go out and do the tandem bike on, on other roads. So I'm getting a lot of biking in. We're doing uh, a little bit of weight training and yoga in the house. So I'm keeping fit, and it's just a case of keeping fit, ready for, for if I get to do something this year, great, or if not keeping fit for next year.
1: 120 you've done. What's the one thing that's eluded you that you that you have to do before you die?
0: I would love to do a base jump. A base jump has got to be the biggest thing. Uh, I've, I've, I've watched many people doing them off, you know, the base jumpings off the buildings, mm. antenna and off the earth, off off bridges, off cliffs. Short, short, uh, short parachute jumps. So you know, they leap off the cliff, and they've only got you know two hundred meters, four hundred meters before they hit the ground, and they've got to open the chute and fly down. Yeah. I would love to do that. I don't know if it's practical because I'm blind, but I think certainly a tandem based jump. I know people have done it, oh, well. and that's something that I would love to go and do.
1: Dean, I hope you get to do it sometime soon. Thanks very much for your inspirational story.
0: Well, thank you, John. Thanks for having
1: me. All the best. Dean Dunbar, Scottish man, as you heard, not 100% blind, but uh, as you heard, visually impaired and uh, living his life on the edge. What's your excuse? That's going to be a lot of the theme of the show. Uh, you can go find out more about what Dean does on his website, extremedreams.co.uk, dreams. Dot co. UK. Go have a look. It's an inspirational story. And he's writing a whole host of things now. Uh, he's sort of got a, a blog now, The Lockdown Getaway. Uh, over the next few weeks, we find ourselves under lockdown. Dean will hope to entertain you with stories, films, and photographs from his wide range of adventures, extremedreams.co.uk.